Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special edition of the Ninth State Sports Show, Lacrosse Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me, uh, as always, when we talk lacrosse, is Derryfield AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. When you reached out to me, I was like, man, the summer flew by fast, and I didn't realize we got to spring already. You know, we're doing a <laughs> podcast. It's... Uh, you know, but it, it did. It definitely felt like spring today. It was a great day. We had field hockey going on, and uh, it was nice. It was good to be outside today. This, uh, you know, as much as uh, it was a little frustrating, get a summer, getting a summer's worth of rain in like two days. Uh, the last couple of days have been have been very nice fall weather. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm done with yeah. the humidity and heat, man. It's I'm ready for fall. Same so. here. Same here. Uh, so. Uh, you, of course, can send us questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm imagining some of you are wondering, guys, why are you doing a, a lacrosse podcast in September? And uh, I, I honestly, I think our, our question is, or our answer to that question is uh, because we want to. Um, why not? Uh, we got a couple things to talk about. You know, there's been stuff going on over the summer. Um, you know, guys, are, guys and girls are, you know, verbally committing to schools. You had last... Uh, Last week, September 1st, the first day that uh, the class of 2024 can give their verbal commitment. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit and also, um, you know, look back at last weekend of the uh, the Premier Lacrosse League playoffs with them being uh, in Boston. Uh, sorry for all of you. I, you can't see me using my air quotes for, for Boston um, as being the location for the, for the playoffs, but that's what they say. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at NHHS Sports. All right, Chris, let's uh, let's jump into these. Uh, what, what were you say? You were giving me a number uh, beforehand, and and uh, what, how many how many players do we have from the class of of twenty twenty three that are look like they're committed uh, either ver- you know, well verbally at this point? Um, yeah, it's well, a good number. It, it's a it's a very good number, and you know I think we've said it before. I mean, you know, there aren't a lot of other sports in the state of New Hampshire that are putting up these type of numbers in terms of kids going to college. I mean, I, I don't have basketball or football numbers in front of me or some of our other sports, but um, we're sitting at um, now. Remember, this is not a complete sample size either. Like, there's going to be more kids that have come, but we have uh, 27 names down on paper, uh, kids, kids in, and this list is just generated from kids who live in New Hampshire. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, hooligans and, and Tomahawks and four leaf HGR right over the border in terms of club teams. And so you get kids from Maine and Mass- Massachusetts, uh, even some kids from Vermont and even some kids nationally that play for our club programs in the area here. But today we really want to focus on the kids who live in New Hampshire uh, and, and play at their, their public school or kids who live in New Hampshire that are playing at a, at a private school within New Hampshire here. Um, and so from that list, we've got 27 kids right now. Um, and you kind of alluded to, you know, why, why fall? Why are we doing a podcast right now? Well, Joe, I would tell you from a, from a club standpoint and a recruiting standpoint, fall is one of the most important times, whether you're a 23 or a 24 right now. Uh, we just had 9-1 come about and uh, that for people that don't know that's the the early contact period that's the first day that coaches college coaches can contact 24s and uh, there was a, I, I'll tell you from from my standpoint being involved with the, the club program I am I'm with uh, there was a lot of buzz around there we had, we had a lot of guys reaching out to um, I had guys at Dairyfield getting reached out to uh, it's it's been a good start to the fall right now in that nine one date, that's going back to what it normally was, right? Because I know with with COVID, they kept changing dates, didn't they, and and moving stuff around. But that's that's like the traditional date, right? 
that's the traditional date. There was a longer dead period for a little while uh, in terms of uh, contact and then visits on campus and things like that. Um, but things, things, you know, knock on wood, are, are fairly back to normal right now. I know um, a lot of kids that I'm in contact with have, have already had a lot of conversations on the phone, over text. Uh, they've set up recruiting visits and prospect days for the fall. Um, you know, we can kind of take a look at that landscape as we as we get going here. Um, a lot of the major, um, you know, recruiting showcases are going to be taking place in uh, late October, early November. We can kind of talk about some of those, uh, some of the big ones. And, um, you know, but uh, the nice part is lacrosse is still a sport that kind of allows you to still be a high school athlete and play football, play soccer, you know, play golf, um, do some things in the fall that, uh, you know, sometimes some of the other sports around here don't. And I, I think it's worked great. We've got a lot of kids getting recruited, um, and yet they still have a chance to be a multi-sport athlete, which we know a lot of college coaches are looking for. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, overlap, you know, looking at some of these these teams, um, you know, with football going on right now. Um, you see a lot of guys there. Uh, field hockey seems to be a big one, too. Um, on the girls' side, yeah. On the girls' side. Um, yeah, so it's and it's fun to see some of these guys. I know we, we were talking a, a little bit about, you know, some of these these guys playing football that have that are on this list, um, you know, and just just getting to see them be athletes, you know, in, in a sport that uh, we haven't, you know, some of these guys have been watching a lot as lacrosse players and, and seeing them now, you know, doing other stuff too, as they kind of get older and, and get on those varsity programs. Um, it, it's kind of it's kind of fun and, and you, you kind of like to see them them succeed like that too just to, to i think it gives them gives them a little bit more um maybe recognition name recognition of you i've got a kid at dairyfield this year tate flint who, who you know well uh he right. came out for the golf team this year made the varsity team and scored today i don't know what that says about our golf team but like <laughs> and it's pretty good i mean no in all seriousness i watched i was able to go to tryouts as the ad and you know i watched the kids and you know, he, he's a natural athlete and, uh, I watched him tee off. I was like, man, that kid's got a good swing. And then, you know, he made the team scored today. Uh, and actually our golf team's 10 and one right now. And so Tate, Tate's helping them in a big way. So, yeah, I think we've got a lot of kids, anybody else on this list that you, you know, that we're looking at that, that you've seen, obviously you cover the football circuit, any guys, uh, any guys committed right now, um, that, that you've been watching. Yeah. A couple names jump right off of this, um, to me, you know, the, the, the big one is, uh, probably jack peters at nashua north um who's who's committed to umass amherst um of course plays lacrosse for the titans um you know but but what i've really seen him probably do more is is on the football field he's um actually just saw him this past friday night in their their game against bedford um you know that that defense um he was a they were so solid on defense and he was in the middle of all of that um you know he's he's fast he's got size uh, middle linebacker yeah yeah middle linebacker linebacker type um just all over the field and he's a pretty good he's pretty good running with the ball too and, he, and, a, and a pretty good receiver he didn't really do much um they the whole team really didn't do as much on offense uh last week but last year I remember him having a couple big games receiving you know so and and he's um you know it's probably his third sport but he's a pretty good basketball player too or I should say he's a good enough athlete to you know hold his own on the basketball court um, you know, with with um, North, who was a, a semifinalist in basketball last year, um, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's been fun watching him. And the guy that's, uh, you know, guy that's kind of really stood out is uh, a guy who took last year off. Of course, um, you know, for those of you that have been following the site in the fall, I'm, uh, you know, following Bishop Girton football for for the season, 
And uh, a guy that stood out for them um, the first in the early part of the year is uh, Connor Gaborg, who um, you know didn't play last football last year has come back, you know has filled in at receiver receiver slash tight end for them had a touchdown in their win last week, um, and and he's also playing at linebacker and has had some or shown some really good instincts in terms of getting after the quarterback there, uh, which is fun you know it's it's fun to watch because again he was a guy who I you know with him not playing last year I had not seen play football. Um, seen him play lacrosse a lot, so it's uh, it's it's kind of cool to watch that. And then another guy uh, further down the list uh, here uh, from Pinkerton, uh, Matt Fioli. Um, you know, saw him this past weekend too. Um, did a little bit more uh, punting for Pinkerton. That was what kind of what I noticed the most. Uh, but he was definitely out there uh, at times for them on both sides of the ball. So yeah, definitely a couple guys on here jump out as uh, as multi-sport guys, and uh, great to see them you know, uh, having s- enough success on the cl- lacrosse field to, to continue their careers there. Nice. I think, Joe, you're going to list, you're going to put the full, because we, you know, we're not going to talk about all 27 <laughs> kids on here, it's, but yeah, you're, you're going to put up the full list of these kids and where they're committed to online, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Re- reading off names uh, as a list um, on a, on a podcast or, or, you know, radio program. Uh, that doesn't make Not, good not exactly exciting. Not, not good, not good, uh, not a good show. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, along those lines, you know, we, we do want to say, you know, Jack, so Jack is committed to UMass Amherst. Tonner's committed to West Point, And, uh, and you mentioned Kim, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, Matt Fioli. From Matt Pinkerton, Fioli. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, committed to Franklin Pierce, you know, three schools that I think kind of fit those kids' personalities and their, their body types and their toughness. Um, you know, you, you talk about Garber's gorillas at, at UMass and the type of the type of lacrosse that they want to tough, physical blue collar lacrosse they want to play. Jack Peters fits right into that. I mean, a kid who he, he actually should be an inspiration to a lot of kids out there. You know, a multi we hear all the time. Coaches want multi-sport athletes. Well, what they really want is they want athletes that are capable of playing those different sports. Right. Like we, we've talked about it before. If you're if you're a marginal athlete, you're you're better off specializing. But in this case, because Jack is such a good athlete and he can play multiple sports, he became really attractive to a lot of college coaches. Um, you know, he was able to make the Under Armour team, uh, the the New England Under Armour team, as a defensive specialist, as a D midi. And now, you know, even though North has not traditionally had the success that a lot of other Division One programs have had, he stood out and he was still able to get recruited. So. I mean, I think I think he's a an incredible success story for a lot of kids to look up to and emulate in the in the state here. Absolutely, uh, you know, I and mean, we kind of mentioned too uh, um, with the girls' side. There's a little bit of overlap as well. And I, I want to just throw a couple names out there uh, too, of course. And and you know, I apologize to anyone that plays volleyball or soccer or, or any of that. Um, I do focus on field hockey in the fall, so that's kind of what I notice here. And 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 the big one is probably Bedford. You know, you've got uh, of course. Um, Sydney Grogan, who's uh, not playing field hockey this year, but also has in the past, basketball player at Bedford. She's uh, committed to Yale. Uh, Sabrina Tipping um, and Eliana Enners, both um, you know, both field hockey players too. Uh, Tipping going to RPI and, and, and Enners to Embry Riddle. Um, you know, so that that just that whole school. I mean, no surprise there. I mean, it's such a a sports crazy school or in town. Um, that you have kids like that that are, are multi-sport athletes that are, are able to kind of shine everywhere. Um, and then you look out at, at, at Portsmouth, uh, their field hockey team, you've got uh, Charlotte Marston, uh, who you actually got to see uh, play field hockey a week ago when they came out to Dairy Field uh, and going to your, uh, your alma mater, Colgate, 
uh, to play. Incredible athlete. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, you couldn't miss her on the field. I mean, physically imposing, but, but moved with grace and speed. And, uh, just, uh, you could see like, if she's that good at field hockey, it's no wonder that, uh, you know, a, a division one program like Colgate, you know, is, is, uh, has looked at her and is bringing her in. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty others. Um, just haven't, you know, I don't want to say haven't noticed them, but just haven't caught on, uh, quite yet. Uh, so I apologize if we're missing anybody that is a, is of course a multi-sport athlete. Um, you know, but you look over this, over these lists here too. Um, is there anybody that kind of stands out as like, I, I know, I know it may be tough to say, you know, just because of familiarity with some college programs and, and maybe the kids are, you know, everybody grows and changes and, and, and improves. But was there anybody on the list that you were like, you saw, and that was, that is, you mentioned the guys we were talking about being good fits. Anybody else that kind of, you looked at and was like that that kid's going to do well at that school i think i you know that i mean looking at the list and i think people will see this when it's posted i think the, the big thing here is whether these kids play for four leaf whether they play for tomahawks or you know again i'm sure the hooligans and hgr and other programs have some kids there i think i think our club programs in the area do a really good job of matching kids up with schools that not only fit their lacrosse ability but fit you know what they want to do in the classroom and that's what really stands out to me here I, i've gotten to know a lot of these kids as as student athletes and um there are there's some great fits here i mean like a kid like luke romano jumps off the page at me right goes to the groton school grew, uh, lives in the amherst area he's going to union you know union is uh you know high level liberty league academics um, but they want to play tough. They want a guy who, who's going to be get in there and be physical. They had a, a tremendous year last year. It's a program on the rise. And, and you know, the, I, I feel like that's a really good fit. Um, you mentioned Connor Gabor earlier, obviously a West Point guy. You know, you just look at the body type and, and he's going to do really well there, both in the classroom and on the field. Uh, Connor Bouvier uh, going to going to Holy Cross. Um, you know, again, a really uh, a high level cerebral player. Um, you know, I, I think has the ability, he, he, very good athlete, has, has really worked on his game and I think has a chance to step in there right away. Um, a kid who I, I grew up uh, coaching through the Tomahawk system who, who recently committed in Will Kramer. Um, he's a Bedford kid up at KUA going to Franklin and Marshall. Again, really good academic fit, good level of lacrosse. Um, you know, those guys kind of kind of stood out to me there uh, in terms of um, the schools that they picked. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you you'd mentioned um, I think you know the the number of, of kids, uh, you know, going to play lacrosse in college. I, I don't think it's just the number. I mean, there there are I, I feel like there are a good number of kids that end up going to play basketball or going to play baseball or, you know, that play soccer. I don't think there's anybody. I think what it is is it stands out is just the the number of maybe Division One schools. Like you look at this list and you guys yeah. got you got guys going to Merrimack to Rutgers. We mentioned UMass Amherst. Um, you know, Bryant, uh, you know, just there, there's a lot of those, um, you know, that maybe you don't see in his, we got a, in, in we got a Brown, we got a Brown, we got a Sienna, um, you know, there, there's some really good schools in here. I mean, and, and the, the nice part is the local schools like Merrimack, right? Aiden Lorendo, Quinn Silvio, Tate Flint's they're, they're Merrimack's doing a great job of keeping, keeping some really good talent at home right now. Um, you know, uh, another school with three guys on here. We, we talked about Matt Fioli going to Franklin Pierce. Well, Winnicunit's got two kids and Caleb White and Ryan Siafi going out to Franklin Pierce next year. You know, with, with the loss of, of Coach Senator no longer there anymore, you know, people people were starting to wonder, you know, what's going to happen to Franklin Pierce? 
it's still it's still an attractive place. It's a good Division two program for for kids to go and continue their lacrosse careers. They're keeping kids home. Um, so, you know, that's uh, I, I think not only not only the fact uh, that um, you know we have so many kids playing D one, but a lot of our kids are getting opportunities at, at some good local programs around here too. Over the years, UMass Lowell's been really good to us. We've had some kids go up to Dartmouth, um, yeah, BU. Um, so the, the local schools, the local D1s definitely know us really well here. Yeah, you've also, you mentioned um, Franklin Pierce too. There's also a couple of local, um, you know, girls that are playing uh, for, for GSE uh, going there as well. Uh, Riley Davis from John Stark and, and Kelsey Waters from Milford. Uh, I don't, I'm obviously different, you know, different programs, but but again, that local connection, um, you know, is big. And, and it's, you know, it's nice that those programs are able to bring the local kids in and, and have some success too. I mean, it kind of, I think make maybe makes the lacrosse around here look a little bit stronger when you've got those programs supported by, you know, the the players that are coming from inside within the state, right? You're kind of doing your your homework in your own backyard kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, anytime you know, that's if you're going to be a competitive D1 program in New England, you got to keep the best kids in New England home. So if you, you got to you got to have and, and that's what we've kind of been saying is like you look at the number of kids coming out of New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, Massachusetts. It is it is a hotbed. I mean, New England, New England is a is a real hotbed now. You know, Connecticut kind of stands on its own a little bit. But uh, the, the, the amount of kids that are the high level of lacrosse in New England right now uh, is making it making it so that some of these newer Division One teams you know, like a Merrimack going from D2 to D1, they can compete because they're, they, it's an attractive school and they're keeping kids home. Yeah. You, you mentioned that too. And I, I want to throw this in there too. And maybe, uh, I know, I know I gave you a little bit of a rough draft here, of what we're going to talk about. I might be jumping out of order a little bit here, but, um, we mentioned Sydney Grogan earlier. Um, and, and of course going to committed to go to Yale She's from plays at Bedford plays for the Tomahawks. Um, she was recently or, or over the summer, um, selected to play for uh the usa u18 uh women's select team which um was an, a national team that you know competes kind of what alongside of of the usa women's lacrosse team and the men's you know there's men's teams as well um, yeah i mean for, essentially a developmental program right um you know just looking over this list i mean you know you're, you're looking at kids not just from new england uh, but from you know new york new jersey maryland colorado um and and she's the only player you know there are other new england kids but she's the only one i guess you would say from northern new england you know there's a couple mass kids a couple darian kids from connecticut um so i mean just an absolutely huge honor for her to get to to participate in that and and really um i think says a lot about about her and about you know the the quality of of play up here too oh absolutely um you know i'm looking through this list even further um, you know, I think the other thing that kind of jumps out to you, too, is we've, we've talked an awful lot about the, the local schools here, but their schools, um, you know, Emory Riddle down in Florida, uh, Rockhurst out in out in Missouri. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of lacrosse is growing and, you know, it, they're taking notice of New England. Our, our kids are getting noticed and they're getting some great opportunities. I mean, schools at first that, you know, if, if you only grew up in the New England area, you may not have heard of. But um you know, I, I've had recently I had some kids. Uh, I had a kid go out to Maryville, uh, Lake Forest in Chicago, um, programs that are that are up and coming and offer great opportunities for kids academically. And, um, you know, so lacrosse, lacrosse is, is offering, you know, it's, its borders are expanding and the opportunities are there for kids, um, not just in the traditional schools that, that we grew up hearing about. Um, there's it, it's a, I think it's a way for a lot of college admissions 
uh, to broaden their diversity within the school and to bring in kids from outside their, their normal geographic ranges, which has been great for, for our kids. You know, you said that, and the one school that jumps to mind like that, too, is, or at least on the, the, the women's side, is, uh, is Flagler down in, uh, in Florida. Yep. Um, I feel like they're, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to pull up their, their roster real quick here, uh, but I, I, I feel like their roster should probably have be like a third, uh, you know, kids from New, New Hampshire, um, you know, because it feel like just that there's just been so many girls going down there. And then you look at, you know, list of, of commits for this year, too, and, and there's um, there was more. Um, I just had it right in front. Uh, Madeline Hartstock from from Bishop Girton is going is committed there, um, you know, in the class of uh, 23. Um, you know, so it's it's uh, yeah, you're right. They're they're getting out everywhere. Um, and I'm sure, you know. We were talking about this 15, 20 years ago. It's probably not the same, but, you know, with the, you know, everybody being able to throw their highlights up on YouTube and, um, you know, coaches, especially, you know, during COVID without being able, like you said, not being able to visit, not being able to travel, um, you know, it, it, it probably makes it a little easier for a school in Florida to recruit a kid in New Hampshire or, or a kid in, you know, Washington State or, you know, anywhere around around the world, really. Well, and the old guard is changing too. The more and more of the coaches who who grew up playing and and you know are I hate to say it are more around my age now, like grew up in both both worlds of of old school and new school, are more comfortable with that, right? Like their their eye is trained to be able to take a look at a video and say, hey, that kid's an athlete. Like I can see what he's doing there. I have uh, a kid, Ethan Flanagan, who's who got who's going to Ithaca next year, who got completely recruited off his YouTube. It was it was crazy. Uh, he did end up going out for a visit and, and met Coach Long and had a great time and um, you know and and they hit it off really well. But his initial recruitment, they never watched him play at a tournament. They never saw anything live, and and they loved his highlight video that much that they brought him on campus. So that 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 is a real thing. Like that that's definitely happening. Oh, that's that's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, we've also got listed here some of the some of the the you know at least guys from the the class of twenty four. Um, you know, no, uh, nobody from New Hampshire yet committed, uh, from that class. Uh, but a lot of guys that it's going to be kind of interesting and, and maybe we'll hear something over the next couple of months, um, you know, on, on, on who's going to go somewhere, who, who kind of stands out as, uh, as, as, you know, those kind of potential, uh, I guess, um, uh, potential for, to, to end up somewhere that, you know, pretty exciting. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's going to come as any surprise to our listeners, but the, you know, the, arguably the top two teams for the last two years in Division One and, and basically in the in the state of New Hampshire, at least in the NHIA, um, have have multiple kids at that level. Um, BG's got a bunch of kids right now. That that twenty four class, I, I coached a lot of these kids, and um, you know, when I saw the majority of them were going to BG, I was like, wow, okay, BG's <laughs> going to be set for for a few years. There's they're going to be okay. Um, you know, uh, the Dumont brothers, Brady, Brady and Alex, um, you know, they're, they're going to be, I would imagine they're going to be getting, if, if they haven't already, they're going to be getting some phone calls throughout the fall. And, and, you know, like we talked about, there's some big tournaments coming up. Um, uh, Kevin Broderick, uh, Caleb Young, uh, Finn, Finn Moran, all from BG, those guys, Will Murphy, uh, in goal. I've already talked to Will. I don't want to I don't want to disclose too much, but I, I know he's already received some some interest in phone calls from from some high level schools uh, in terms of goaltending. Um, and then uh, from Exeter, you've got guys like Owen Williams, Ethan Burnich, uh, Tanner Smith. Um, those guys are, are definitely going to be getting uh, phone calls and looks this fall. And, you know, I would imagine 
they're they're going to have some opportunities to to take some visits. Uh, you know, if not late this fall, by by early next spring and early summer, we'll be wrapping that up. And then, arguably, coming into the spring, the the top faceoff kid in the state, Cole Frank from Pinkerton. Um, you know, I can't imagine he's if as long as he showcases well this fall, he's going to be in great shape. Yeah. Um, and he he's done nothing but showcase well uh, in the time that that I've been with him. I mean, he's been, you know, for, for his first two years as a freshman and sophomore, I mean, he's been nothing short, I think, of incredible as a face-off guy. I mean, it's, you know, to, to, to the success that he's had, um, you know, for, for I'd say, you know, 95% of his, his games. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I know there have been some really good face-off guys in the state, but maybe not anyone that's had that much, I guess, c- continued success, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, we've talked, you know, we, we talked for a long time about JJ Murphy, JJ developed over JJ developed over time. And he's had, you know, I, I think he's had, he, he had pretty su- good sustained, sustained success too. Um, you know, and, but, but for Cole to be able to, to step in as a freshman and then as a sophomore and do what he did uh, is a testament to not only, you know, how much the coaching in, around faceoffs in the state uh, and in New England has has evolved over time, but also to his work ethic and just um, his commitment to becoming a better athlete. Um, but I will say, I, I do think, you know, New England right now um, is, is turning out some really, really high level faceoff guys. Um, you know, the, the coaching that these kids have available to them up here, um, there aren't too many other places around that that, that are offering that. And they're definitely taking advantage. And, and Cole's leading the pack uh, right now with that. Any other uh, any thoughts on on any of these other um, you know this recruitment news uh, before we we move on to a couple other topics? Well, I, I mean, I think you know there's some uh, there, there's some places to watch. You know, this fall, uh, November fifth and sixth are a big weekend for a lot of guys. There's there's the the Terrapin Classic down in Maryland, and then they come back up here on November sixth. So they they get they got to go down to Baltimore, and then they come right back up here down in Massachusetts for the Mayflower Invitational. That's a huge weekend. There's going to be a ton of coaches at both those events. Um, you know, we've had we've had a lot of guys over the years get recruited from that weekend, and then um, the NAL Invitational is uh, is down in Delaware on November 12th and 13th. That's that's the uh, the big um, basically the big wrap up tournament for all the major club programs uh, nationally throughout throughout the United States. Uh, kind of meet there the top programs, and um, you know all the top coaches are there too. So that's what I'm saying by by Thanksgiving, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of guys on on the on that watch list um, have some offers, if not already be committed at that time. Um, so some big big things for our for our 24s coming up, and then you know the 23 class. Continue to watch that 23 class. They're they're not done yet. I mean, there's there's a lot of good guys. Uh, you know, again on hooligans, four leaf tomahawks that are all going to get recruited this fall. So be watching, be watching those Instagram accounts and Facebook and stuff for those announcements. Um, these, a lot of division two and three schools, occasionally a division one school will still be offering, you know, late into the fall. I, I, the, the D one side is a little bit, you know, with COVID and everything in the backlog of players still available with eligibility. Most of the D ones have their recruiting classes filled up, but um, you, there, there's still a lot of good players out there that are going to get find good hopes. You mentioned dates, and I, I want to mention throw out this out there too. The the one to keep in mind um, is November 9th, when uh, which is the initial signing day uh, for all sports, non football, 
Uh, and well, I actually looks like basketball's early signing period is also on the ninth. So so basically for everyone but football, um, those those twenty uh, threes can start signing on that day. Um, and of course, uh, you know what? Be- better to start this now uh, than wait until then. Anyone that wants to send in uh, information on your your signing there, photo where you're going. Uh, all that, uh, please feel free to do so. We'll I'll, I'll post those again uh, when the time comes, probably around Thanksgiving, just to give everybody some time to send that in. Uh, but yeah, November 9th, uh, the big day. Uh, I also want to say here, we, we need to come up with an, another name here for, for, you know, I know it's National Letter of Intent, but but calling it NLI confuses me with the uh, the name letter and uh, yeah what's what's i can't now i can't remember what the third name image name image and likeness yeah. image and likeness. so it's N, that's nil right that's nil yeah, yeah so i still yeah. get confused i'm i'm getting old um i mix i mix <laughs> things up so you it's know a crazy we, world Joe. yeah we need we, we need like different names for these um at least one of them because i i get confused easily um yeah so that's a date i want to throw out there too uh and and yeah, we'll hopefully see a lot of these start rolling in. Uh, always love to get those photos too, because it's just it's fun to see everybody in there, you know, decked out in their college gear and and uh, you know, big smiles uh, while they're signing their letters. That's always fun. Um, so I, you know, I know when we when we wrapped up for the spring, we talked a little bit about uh, you know, what to look for next year, and um, I wanted to. I think I I think we talked about this, and if we didn't, I you know, either way, I want to clarify it. Um, because this is the first year uh, that the the NHIA's rule on playoff eligibility for teams that that are petitioning down in division um, takes effect, and I, and, and I, I know I'm throwing I'm throwing this out out at you uh, kind of uh, on the fly here, so I apologize, Coach, if uh, uh, for doing. Well, we'll that. see. We'll see. We'll see what I can. Well, so we'll so what. I can what do. So from from uh, the NHIA had their media day in late August, like they always do. Uh, went up there and uh, got to ask a couple questions about that, you know. So basically what it means is that any team that petitioned petitioned down a division isn't eligible for the playoffs for this year of the two-year cycle, the first year of the two-year cycle. Eligible for the second year, but not for 2023. Uh, Doesn't really affect a lot of teams on the boys' side. It's just it looks like Keeneman-Adnock and Spalding moving down to Division Two, and then Milford moving down to Division Three. Uh, but my big question was: Is how does that does that affect the number of playoff teams? Um, you know, because they do their their seventy percent. I think we more. talked. I think we talked about that. I don't think it does. It does. I'm trying to remember yeah, from they, the, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't think it does. Right. I think it does not. I think no. It's just they still take into account there's X number of teams because the wins and losses still count. Right. Right. So, um, so that it, that would unfairly affect it. You know, if you, if you have a team in there, you, they still have to count as as a, as the number in the division. Yeah. Um, if you're going to count their wins and losses. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I remember talking about that in the committee. Yeah. That was, that was their, their, uh, explanation as well. Um, you know, that, that those, those games count. So those teams count in terms of, of playoff eligibility. So right. when we're and moving, then correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that if you make the playoffs in your second year, yes. you're not eligible to, to go back down again. You you have to go back up. You have to go back up. The so one, a little bit, we're, we're closer to relegation. <laughs> the one thing I didn't ask about that I'm kind of kicking myself is that you know? Let's say you don't make the playoffs in that second year, and mm-hmm. you petition down again. Are you still ineligible, even though you've already been down in the division? That's I, a really interesting yeah, question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if that was brought up. I so. I don't know either. Uh, but that'll be that'll be my question for next year, I guess. Uh, 
Any other? Have you heard anything? Any rules changes that are are coming down the road, or or anything like that for for next year, or is that stuff still remain to be seen uh, until you know later on in the school year? Uh, it'll be it'll be remain to be seen. Um, I mean, I think uh, you know we've obviously taken a step forward with uh, with face off rules, trying to get those get those there. Uh, you know, I. I everybody talks about you know a shot clock but if we can't get our act together with basketball with a shot clock i think it's uh i think i think it's a pipe dream that we're gonna we're gonna get shot clocks and i i just i think it would be amazing if we could because i watched the prep school league the lakes region and um and you know massachusetts and, and connecticut in uh in their preps it's just a such a faster cleaner game yeah. it's a lot of fun um, and it really entices teams to get out and play good defense and run and gun and, um, you know, it gets it back to it, it helps. It gives a leg up to those kids that want to play in college, too, because they're playing the game that, that college kids are playing and they get to showcase themselves as, as two way athletes. So um, I, I remain hopeful that maybe down the road, but I don't I don't see that as a uh, I don't see that as a short term thing that's going to happen would you um, be uh would you be surprised to know that i asked about that too and it's actually on their radar i, I know it's on their radar okay. we, de- okay. we, we did we did <laughs> talk about it it's more just you know the uh, the implementation of it of you know trying to figure out like we, we talked in terms of mechanics like it's already hard enough to get officials right so then you know do you do you train people that are specifically there to run the scoreboard in shot clock a little bit similar to like you know the like basketball basketball is a <laughs> i learned quickly as an ad that basketball is its own beast you've got to have someone that really knows what they're doing with the scoreboard there i think you'd have to have a similar you'd have to have a similar thing with lacrosse but the more i talked to the the prep school in the lakes region guys they said yeah you know mistakes happen but you you can train you can train high school kids you can train administrators on campus and it, it does it always run perfectly? No, but it, it's better than it's better than what it is now. Basically, is is what I, I haven't heard any coach tell me they don't like it because they felt like it it you know it was too much of a hassle or that it was giving giving an unfair advantage to one team or that you know the home team was trying to rig it with with not running it right you know that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I, I think the big hurdle is I, I don't even think it's I don't even think it's money at this point. Like, I, you know, those things are I, it's fairly cheap enough that you can get at least portable ones that you can put out there. Um, I know I watched uh, the UNH club team last year. They've got a set of really nice portable ones they bring out for each game and they just put them uh, centrally located on either side so that the two teams can see them. And, right. you know, they've got somebody that can run it. So I, I don't think it's the cost. I think it's it's more just the um uh, personnel to run it. I just, I was surprised because I don't think I'd ever heard anyone bring it up, you know, as, as, I mean, I've heard the basketball shot clock, you know, a hundred times over the, the last couple of years. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, oh, we need a shot clock for, for lacrosse, but I'm, I heard it a couple of times this past spring. Um, so yeah, I was surprised to hear that it was, that it was something that had been at least discussed. Yeah. And you know what? I take that back to you. It's not uh, sorry. When I said that it wasn't the cost that was prohibitive in terms of like not the equipment, I think the if people bring up costs, the one thing that they'll say is, you know, if we have to pay someone to run it. Yeah, it does. That 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 eats into a budget. Right. And so unless you have volunteers that are willing to do it, um, it, that is a potential that is a potential cost that, you know, on top of if you're paying people to do other that manage other sports throughout the season. That's a new light on line item in the budget that, you know, some schools may have. It it may dissuade smaller. It may actually, uh, you know, 
limit some schools. Smaller schools may not be able to do something like that. So, I've I've always wondered if it's not something the officials can. I mean, is it too much to put on them? Because I know that in football, they you know the the where there's an official that keeps the play clock, and no one can see that. That I mean, he does you know give signals when it's getting down to ten seconds and down to five seconds. I think we I think we did bring that up in the committee. We said that is a possible workaround. One, you could you could have an extra official. Who, who would just be in charge of the, the clock if we wanted to have them on the field. Or you could, you could have kind of like what you're talking about, a silent where, you know, one official would be in charge of just calling out, you know, a buzzer goes off. Okay. There's 20 seconds left. You get another buzzer and a countdown from 10 or something like, you know, something like that. I don't, you know, a 30 second buzzer and then a countdown from 10, something like that. You I mean, know? They already, um, they already keep that to get over, you know, in the boys game to get, you know, inside the box. Right. They do. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, you don't, you, you can't really see that. So, um, you know, <laughs> and you, you it, hear it, you hear it go off, even though it's, you know, they forget to <laughs> the number of times you actually, I feel like that's it is usually when it goes off, it's because they've forgotten to turn it off after someone's gotten in. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting. It's too bad. You know, we don't have a fall ball or things that kind of tried that out, but it would be interesting to kind of try that to see how it did feel with yeah. the, with a silent shot clock, you know, that you couldn't see. Well, um, uh, we got to get that, I guess, in the indoor league then, right? Well, maybe maybe I'll suggest that to Billy Ball for the spring. All scrimmage, <laughs> all scrimmages we're going to play with go. a shot clock. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, so before we before we wrap up, I did want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the Premier uh, Lacrosse League playoffs. Um, you know, the, the first round quarterfinals were last weekend uh, locally in, uh, in, in Foxborough. Um, enough with this Boston stuff. I, you're not, we're not fooled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and, and I, I think I texted you, uh, during the day on Saturday, which I, I didn't get to watch as much of the games as I was hoping to, because I was running around to football games. Um, but just looking at the final scores of these three games and, and that third game, um, between, uh, the water dogs and Atlas, uh, water dogs won 1914. The other two games though, at least the scores, I, you know, I, I feel like they might have been kind of duds. No, <laughs> am I am I wrong? About uh, well, that? the one I mean, obviously, the one that stands out to me is the chaos. Oh, right, of Rome. course. The, in the way they did, hold you know, three goals like yeah. that—that's that's crazy. Um, you know, neither team with a two-point goal. Um, you know, I just that that one really that one stuck out to me because you don't you don't normally you know if you if you follow the PLL you don't normally associate these games with a with a three with a three spot you might get three in the first five minutes of the game you <laughs> yeah. know um, yeah um, I mean um, but you know oh go ahead sorry. no I was just gonna say yeah two in the seven seed beating the two seed a seven seed that had only won two games that I mean that was what the defending champs right but they'd only won two games um you know all year and and to take out a team you know that that um you know, that I think a lot of people probably looked at as having the best shot at, at, at winning outside of, outside of whip snakes. Uh, you know, a hundred percent, you know, and, and to, to go into that, you know, they kept, they kept our, our, I guess what you would call still our hometown. I think a lot of people still think of them as the hometown cannons in there. And, um, you know, I think the thing that was really disappointing to me in watching the cannons and some of these teams all summer is, uh, you know, you've got a generational talent in Lyle Thompson and there's just nothing around him right yeah, now. Yeah. Like he, his, his uh, I mean, his skill level and what he can do is incredible. And um, you almost feel bad. Like you, you're like, man, trade the guy, would you? Like as much as I want to see the cannons win and, and do well, um, you know, you, you it, it feels like they're wasting a generational talent right now with him on that roster. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I feel like every time that I, I 
did check into one of their games. You know, that was the I feel like that was one of the few guys who I actually knew that was on that team just from one of the few reasons to watch. One of the few reasons to watch them. And I I felt really bad, too. They made such a big deal about that one uh, game early in the year that was on, um, I believe it was on ABC on a, a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and, and it was, um, I want to say it was archers and cannons and, um, they just absolutely, archers actually absolutely just smoked them. I was like, oh, well, this is, this is unfortunate that this is the game that they presented to, to the national audience here. Um, but you know, I, 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 I grew frustrated. I found with the scheduling, um, this summer, you know, they start the first weekend in June, which is great. You know, it's, it's right when, right, what, right after college ends. For us around here, we're wrapping up the high school season. Um, and they go for, what, the first maybe five weeks after that. They start in June, go all the way through to the, the 4th of July. You got games Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. And, I, you know, I, I found myself getting in, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, coming home from work Friday night, going to watch these games. Or, You're in a or, routine. Yeah, you get into a routine. And then the next thing you know, we're taking what felt like four weeks off. I know the All-Star game was in there. Um, but you know, outside of that, it's like, I'm, you're, you're going most of July without any games. Uh, and then and to me, it's a weird decision. Yeah. Like I, you're right. They're playing, they've played 10 games, you know, and I, I, you know, I was like, I had the opportunity to play in the MLL and everything wrapped up by Labor Day weekend, by the, by the time, you know, before Labor Day weekend was done. And I always felt like that was, that was a good model because if you are trying to get, the casual viewer that maybe isn't as into lacrosse uh, to watch some of these high level games to see, you know, you got the archers and, and Tom Schreiber and Will Manny and some of these guys like that are doing some incredible things. I, now you're asking them to kind of choose that over the opening weekends of college football and NFL, yeah, like, yeah. It, you know, diehard lacrosse fans. Yeah. They're going to tune in, but like the regular Joe who, who's just looking for sports, you're gonna you you're seriously gonna think that they're gonna tune in over over football? I I mean, Joe, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm gonna struggle to tune in over football right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should we should note too that we're we're doing this in the middle of the opening uh, NFL game uh, Thursday night too. So you know, uh, I don't know if you've had one eye. I had it on earlier, but uh, how you feel? I, how you feeling about the big fantasy matchup? I know. Weekend? I'm surprised actually that you wanted to talk to me today, considering that we're uh, we have our first ever head to head here in fantasy football. I, uh, I'll tell you just from my standpoint, I, I like my team if it was three or four years ago. That's uh, <laughs> it, it, that that should give the listeners a, a little view about uh, my my draft that I had. I feel like I have an all star team from four years ago this funny. year. So a, a couple other people in the league also said that to me too. <laughs> um, I go, I always worry about my team when when the uh, we we're using uh, you know the service we're using sends out their uh, their draft grades right, and if I get a good grade, then I get scared. Like if it's telling me I did a good job, I'm like, oh, man, what did I do? What did I do wrong? <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right about this too. I mean, you, you look at they they played the quarterfinals last Saturday, which I, I Saturday's probably better than Sunday, but then I, you know Sunday of the holiday weekend. Um, but still, you're going up against college football, um, and then you're right. This this week they play the semifinals on Sunday on the same weekend as the opening um, weekend of the NFL. And not just that, but, you know, if, if you're in, on a much lesser degree, too, I believe it's the finals for the, the U.S. Tennis Open, too. So, I, I mean, you're, you're really asking, you know, really begging people to try to watch your sport. It's, you're, you're not helping yourself out there, I don't think. 
you are not you are not helping yourself out. I, I'm not sure what the reasoning was with it. You know, maybe I, with the TV contract they got, and and you know, maybe that's uh, that's the people were looking for things to compete, and they they want another sport. Uh, that's fine. I'm just not sure they're going to get the viewership that they hope for in there. But uh, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed. And uh, hey, they, they've made it. You know, like we've got this far. I would I would love to see the next step for them. I, I'd love to see the teams get cities. Like it, it's as much as we joke about it, it's hard for me. Like, you know, I, am I really getting behind the whip snakes? Why am I getting behind the whip snakes? You know, like what, other than if I like a couple of guys, other than, other than if I really like Matt Randolph, I don't know. You know, right. like, well, I think that's, um, I think that's the thing, you know, I, I friend think of, friend of friend of new England, Joe Nardella, who's, who's coaching all our faceoff guys. Am I, uh, you know, am I pulling for him? I guess. I don't well, know. I, I will say this. And, and this is maybe, maybe it's because I talked to him over the summer to do a story, but I was following the water dogs for quite a while because of, of, you know, Zach Tucci, who's from Bedford, yeah. um, you know, got a chance to play with him a little bit uh, over the summer, um, you know, and that's that's what drew me in. Yeah, I, I was I was rooting for the water and I still f- kind of find myself um, rooting for him, even though he's he hasn't been suiting up for them lately. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I and I think, you know, I think for 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 you and me and, and our generation, maybe that makes it tough. But if you look at what's what's probably the the most popular of the the big four sports leagues, the most popular amongst the kids, I think these days, maybe the NBA, and they kind of market the players a little bit more than the teams in some cases. I want you know I think maybe that I mean that's kind of you know get you to latch on to a player or two, you know. Have, oh, a, I I agree I agree with that. I think the NBA does a really good job of marketing their players. I mean it's a model that people have, have railed against the the MLB for for a while. It's like you just you know. They haven't done a great job of promoting their their talent there, um, but they have cities associated with them, yeah, right? And, yes. You know, and that's I think I agree that the MLL is doing a good or the PLL is doing a good job of, of marketing their individual players. But yeah, again, I think at the end of the day, I still got to have a uniform that I'm, you know, a, a hometown that I'm I'm pulling for um, to to make it work long term. Well. So I guess Sunday, uh, folks will have what one eye, uh, the first semifinals at one, <laughs> which just so happens to be, I believe, what when the Patriots kick off this week is that if if I'm not mistaken. Um, so what you'll have one eye on the Patriots game, I hope, and one eye on the uh, the Water Dogs and Whip Snakes, uh, which is on ABC, by the way. Well, so, I, I think so. a lot of if the if the pundits are right, a lot of people might have both eyes on the the Water Dogs, uh, you know, after <laughs> after about the first quarter of the Patriots game. Yeah, so we'll well, see. <laughs> that could be the case. Um, but it'll be, uh, yeah, it should be a fun, uh, you know, fun weekend either way. Um, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts, uh, Chris, before we wrap up? Well, I know, I know the listeners are really curious right now, Joe, but your early, early results are in. You're, you're beating me 20 to 16 right now. Bobby oh, Wagner right. is having a huge game for you right now. In defense events. Yeah. He's got 20 points for you right now. See, that's what we should explain that to the the listeners, too. I, you know, this is a this is a league that uh, that I, I put together many years ago. And uh, because I'm just that kind of crazy, we, we use individual defensive players here, uh, which yeah. which I clearly did not do my homework. <laughs> on. So. See, I just I want to be fair. I don't want to leave anybody out, you know, I, I, so so you can pick defensive players, too. I'm I'm really all about that fairness. You did. You did. Um, well, uh, you know, Joe, I think it's uh, I, I think it's it's fun. I think if um, you know, if I'm correct, you you are thinking that maybe we would uh, we'd get together, you know, once a month or so to kind of update yeah. some recruiting, uh, talk about the, the fall lacrosse scene, maybe wrap up the PLL here. Um, you know, I think you were talking about doing some early 
way too early prognostications of the spring season. Um, you know, things like that yeah. for the for the fall. Talk a little bit of college stuff too, as that gets underway. I know that what the fall ball is starting up for them um, over the last week or two. Um, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I very much want to do that. Would like to do that. Hopefully, uh, we can figure that out uh, maybe once a month and and keep that rolling up until March and and then get into the season. Uh, and heck, Joe, I'm gonna. You know what? I don't know the next time we're gonna do a podcast, so I'm gonna throw it on here now. I'm gonna give a little plug. Uh, team Scotland. The, the national men's team is coming over to uh, New England, New Hampshire specifically. They're going to be uh, they're going to be training at the Dairyfield School uh, from October 16th through the 22nd. They'll be practicing every morning from from 10 to 11, and then we've got games lined up uh, every day. On the the 16th, they're going to be playing uh, Southern New Hampshire and Team Jamaica. Believe it or not, wow. uh, Team Jamaica is going to be up here on that Sunday. Then we're going to be playing uh, Riviere on Monday. Uh, Wednesday, we go up to Dartmouth, uh, Thursday, Bentley is coming up to, uh, to, for, for a night game under the lights of Dairyfield, And then we wrap up the week with, uh, St. Anselm at St. Anselm on Friday there. Wow. Um, so it's, it's going to be a fun week. So again, something to put down on your calendar. If you're looking for some high level lacrosse, a lot of names, uh, of, of former, uh, New Hampshire NHIA greats going to be playing for those schools, uh, during that time there. So. Great opportunity to see some good local lacrosse uh, coming up in October, and maybe even a, a podcast live from a, from a game. We could even try to do maybe that. a halftime update. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, definitely got to get that on the calendar. Get a little more info on that. Um, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Chris, for for taking the time to uh, to do this in uh, in September lacrosse podcast in September. Who 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 would have ever heard of that? Um, but de- very much appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Same here, Joe. Always a pleasure. We'll we'll do it again in uh, we'll, we'll do it again in October. All right. He is uh, Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach and AD Chris Hetler. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>